This podcast is brought to you by Belong, winner of Money Magazine's Best Value NBN plan for the second year running. Welcome back to Property Unpacked, the podcast that unpacks the hot topics of property and explores how they affect you. I'm your host, Alice Stoltz. In this episode, we explore a hot topic at the moment, the sea or tree change. And then we hear what really motivates people to make these big and sometimes drastic life moves. We've all heard the stories of city slickers selling up in the big smoke and settling into regional and coastal towns. But is this life all it's cracked up to be? It does sound like a dream, doing life on your own terms and escaping the hustle and bustle of the CBD. But there are many, many factors to consider when taking this big plunge, like whether the internet connection is any good if you're working from home, or how far the local supermarket is, and ultimately, will you actually be happier moving away from the city? Sarah Berry, the lifestyle health editor at The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald, moved to Byron Bay and after four years there has recently headed back to city life in Sydney. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Alice. Now, Sarah, what was your key motivating factor when you moved to Byron with your little family at the time? Well, actually, we didn't have a little family at the time. Oh, it was just um, it was just my partner, Toby, and I. And Toby had some work opportunities up there. And funnily enough, I was actually quite resistant. I was really happy. I was living in Bondi at the time. I was sort of working mostly remotely, but could sort of go into the office when I needed to. Um, my friends and family were here. I, I was happy in Sydney. Um, so I was kind of resistant. <laughs> but I actually was interviewing a guy and he worked remotely and he and his girlfriend, you know, I was chatting with him and he was saying that before they sort of, you know, settled down properly and had a family and bought a house. They kind of wanted to go on this big adventure and they had chosen seven different cities around the world that they were curious about and they were going to go and live for six months in each. And, and at the time he was sort of just finishing up the six-month Sydney stint. And I walked away from the interview and I just thought, oh, you know what, why am I sort of, you know, not, not having that sense of adventure, you know. At worst case scenario, we, we move back if it doesn't mm. work. So... Yeah, I think I phoned Toby um, that afternoon and said, mm, do you still want to move up to Byron? He was like, yes. <laughs> and um, a month later we, we did it. So, yeah, it, it was a sense of adventure and then we sort of moved up and, and had our little family up there, had our two daughters. Yeah, so that ended up being four years that you were there. Now, Sarah, w- was there anything you wish you knew before you had made that move? That is a good question. Um, look, Byron's a bit of an anomaly, um, you know, it, it, just in terms of small towns. But I, I guess I didn't realise that rental prices and living costs there would be sort of on par mm. with Sydney. I think, you know, we, we got up there and really struggled to find anywhere to rent and eventually ended up in Bangalore, which is sort of in the country, about a 10, 15 minute drive from Byron. And the place we were renting there was sort of $50 less than what I was paying for on the beach in Bondi. So it was kind of insane. And I was really surprised about that. So I guess, you know, depending on where you're going, if you're sort of thinking of moving to the country for affordable living, it's good to know that. Yes. What else? Um, I think one big thing is you can't take a sort of city attitude or city pace with you when you move. Mm. Um, When we moved up, I was working pretty long hours. And I kind of didn't really, I guess, make that 
effort initially to sort of assimilate and, you know, slow down and Mm. really get to know people in the community. You know, when I eventually did, you know, they were so welcoming and, and so lovely. But I think, you know, if you just take transport yourself and um, don't change the way that you're living. It can be sort of an isolating experience. Mm. So having that open mindset is obviously really important that you're not just going to physically move yourself. You need to take your mind needs to sort of be in part with the body at the same time. Totally. You need to sort of, I think, assimilate to their way of doing things, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it's sort of, I guess, you come from the city and you're used to not necessarily saying hello to people in the street and making eye contact and getting to know, you know, the people at the local shops, which is horrible kind of in retrospect. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess you do get used to that sort of um, the anonymity of being in a big city. So I think really having that mental shift when you move is important. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other thing was, as I sort of mentioned, I was working remotely before I moved up for quite a while. So, you know, when I, when I asked my, my boss at the time, you know, she sort of said, look, well, we don't really see you anyway. So it doesn't really matter where you work from, which, which was great. But I didn't realize that it would actually be different working up there remotely to being in Sydney and not going into the office. I think just... Mm the ability to go and have meetings in person or network or go to work events. That kind of surprised Mm. me that I did actually feel more, even though I was doing the same, working in the same way, um, it felt different being up there. It felt a little bit more isolating and, and a bit more disconnected from my team. Mm. I wonder if that would be the case now, sort of in this sort of post-COVID world where people have really adapted to VCs and Zoom and Hangouts and Teams and that, if that yeah. has evolved. You know, obviously you were sort of pre, pre-pandemic life yeah. when, um, you know, people had such resistance to the technological side of their jobs, I suppose. So I wonder if that has shifted now. It'd be interesting to see that. Sarah, one other thing I thought was really interesting was what you mentioned when, you know, even thinking about medical care and health services when you are living regionally that, you know, can you just talk a little bit about that when you had a baby, you had that sort of realisation that there wasn't a hospital just around the corner and you had to get yourself there and that wasn't as easy as you thought it might be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So when I was pregnant with my first daughter who was born at the end of 2017. It was a sort of low-risk pregnancy and I wanted to do it through the midwife's clinic in Byron Bay. There is a little hospital in Byron Bay, but it's sort of more of an emergency room and a, I guess, community health centre. It's not really equipped, you know, for they don't have obstetricians there or anything like that. So I was going through that program mm. and, and, you know, that, that was all great, to be honest. But when I was in labour and I was at the midwife's clinic and it sort of started to, um, it wasn't going as planned and the decision was made eventually that, you know, I should be moved to a hospital and there are kind of two hospitals in the area. There's Lismore and there's Tweed Heads and they're both about a 45-minute drive. But by this stage it was a Friday night. Mm. I think I'd been in labour by that stage for about 24 hours. Mm. There were no uh, ambulances available you know, Friday night in Byron. And um, and so, you know, after sort of umming and ahhing and do we wait and what do we do, eventually I think Toby just said, look, this is just 
ridiculous. We're not going to kind of wait here all night mm. for for an ambulance. Like I'm just going to I'm just going to drive it. So they sort of bundled me into the car and we drove up to Tweed Heads. Mm. It's something I think we sort of just take for granted, though, particularly when you have lived in a city for a long time, that there is amazing medical care, there's an amazing school around the corner. We do take all that for granted, though, don't we? And I think when you do move regionally, you have to understand there will be a compromise to the accessibility of those services that probably one is used to having at arm's length. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 that was that was a surprise. <laughs> now, Sarah, can it all get tiring? That sort of off the grid, amazing, wonderful lifestyle. Like, did it actually become quite fatiguing at times for you living in Byron at a much slower pace of life? Look, I wouldn't say fatiguing exactly. I guess the sort of two things that stood out though, you know, where we lived, we'd have power outages on a weekly basis. It was sort of, that was just par for the course. And the other thing, when we first moved up, when we were looking for sort of a permanent place to live, we were renting somewhere for sort of six weeks, which didn't have great internet connection and reception. And I remember I was actually interviewing Sarah Wilson Mm. at the time. And I remember sort of feeling so stressed and being out on the sort of deck of this place and like trying to find a corner (laughs) because I was sort of breaking up as we were doing this interview. And I just felt so unprofessional and embarrassed. (laughs) But, you know, also trying not to let on that, you know, anything was wrong. Because I think I just moved up and I, and I sort of, at the time, I guess it wasn't normal for you know, people no. living up in Byron are working from anywhere. No. Um, so I, was, I think I was probably trying to pretend I was in Sydney still <laughs> <and> <laughs> just had this dodgy internet. But, yeah, it was a, it was a fairly stressful interview. <laughs> so what was it that made you and your partner decide to move back to Sydney then, Sarah? So we had two daughters. Our second little girl, Romy, was born in April uh, last year. So she was a proper pandemic baby um and I guess Mm -hmm. neither of our parents (laughs) could come up and see her or be with Mm. us and I think you know as as our sort of older girl was getting older we were sort of thinking about okay where do we want them to go to school where do we want to be based and I think just the pull of being close to our parents being close to our friends who have little kids the same sort of age just became a lot stronger at that point Mm. And do you think, Sarah, there'd also been a shift with you in your mind about that idea of the slow life and how you could perhaps take that philosophy with you back to the city? Look, I wasn't sure at that stage. I was nervous, to be honest, about, you know, how it was going to feel coming back to the city after, you know, four years away and were we making the right decision because, you know, Byron is a really genuinely beautiful place to live and we I feel mm. like we had sort of started to put roots down in a way and, you know, have good friendships. And and so, it, you know, it wasn't a totally easy decision. I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but I guess we've been back about nine months now. Yeah, and I guess coming back I just started to go, actually I can bring that mindset and that attitude with me. It doesn't, you know, because as you said, it's, um, it's not just a physical move. It's also mm. about your attitude and the way that you live. Mm. Had there been parts of sort of the repatriation back to Sydney that has surprised you about how the, how the city is different in the time that you've been away? Look, not massively. I mean, I guess I'm born and bred here, so I know it pretty well. I think it, it, mm. what surprised me was how easy it ended up feeling that, you know, when we came back it really did feel good and it felt right um, and we were really happy with that decision. Mm. Uh, and I think I expected to feel a bit um, more conflicted about it. 
<laughs> there are obviously a lot of concerns at the moment that the influx of city dwellers is causing a serious inflation on property prices and values as well as amenities in towns, particularly in Byron Bay and other parts of Victoria. What's your take of how these cities will cope with that, Sarah? I'm just asking you, obviously, someone who's lived in Byron and sort of before the mass sort of arrival of people over the past year and so, how can you see that playing out in towns like Byron? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, I think, you know, there was some research recently that inflation in towns like Byron and Sunshine Coast and I think, you know, Thoreau have um, risen 40% since the pandemic. So I guess, you know, one of the uh, experts I spoke with for my article, Dr Liz Allen from ANU, said that I guess the issue is that these towns don't have the infrastructure to sort of cope with that influx. You know, there's issues with sewage systems overflowing and sort of retrofitting rather than thoughtful town planning. On a kind of, I guess, more personal level, one thing I suppose I have noticed in terms of the impact on the community in Byron is I think half the sort of beauty about a place like Byron is the diversity of the community. It's one of those places Mm. where all kind of walks of life mix and mingle and that's quite refreshing and doesn't sort of happen so much, I don't think, in in the city. Mm. Um, You know, it doesn't really matter who you are or what you do. But when you've got this sort of influx of, you know, wealthier people and properties being sort of rented out at a, at a premium mm. on Airbnb instead of going to locals and long-term renters, it sort of pushes people out. So I guess that's going to have, a, have an impact on the community. Mm. So, uh, you know, that's something that I do worry about and I did see that more and more locals were sort of moving further out of actual Byron Town. And I feel like you lose that sort of diversity, which is the beauty of the place. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Sarah, how would you feel about doing this again one day? Like, is this something that has really appealed to you and that you may do at another stage in your life again, given you had the sort of the, the gumption to do it the first time? <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I'm happy now, I guess. We've only just moved back, so I'm sort of enjoying <laughs> of this and I guess, you know, our kids will sort of start school soon and um, I think we'll, we'll be in the city for a while. But later on, absolutely. You know, I think that yeah. was one thing that really stuck with me that there's that to have that sort of sense of adventure and to not sort of get stayed where you are is great and it's like worst case scenario you move back yes. you know and, and you've always had the adventure so I you know I think everyone should give it a crack at, at some stage or other. Yeah and I think you feel like you're really living don't you I think when I've lived in different places it's left me with that sense that I feel quite alive as challenging as it may be in many regards you feel like you're really living your life. Totally well you I think you're sort of challenging yourself and you're getting out of your comfort zone and that and that's sort of what it's about. Mm. Just before I finish up Sarah what's your advice to people who are weighing up this idea because I know a lot of Australians are really flirting with this idea of yep I'm going to do it let's just be brave. What What is your sort of final takeaway advice for that? people who are weighing up the tree or sea change? Look, I guess it depends what their reason for wanting to move is. I think adventure is fantastic, so I'm, I'm all for having an adventure and going with that. I guess if it's just about stress, then I think you can live a slower mm. life in the city with intention and by sort of streamlining and, and prioritising, you know. Um, and I guess, you know, one of the people I was mm. speaking with pointed out like if we're filling our lives with sort of clutter and distraction and, and sort of being indoors the whole time and, and not sort of getting out in nature and, and connecting with the people around us and it doesn't really matter where we are it's not going to change what's going on inside our heads so 
I think it's just important to understand what your motivations are um, and, you know, if mm. if you can, regardless of whether you stay or move, I think it's probably worth addressing those things and, and trying to sort of live a slower, more connected life mm. wherever you are. Sarah, that's so interesting. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Absolute pleasure. Whether people are looking for a healthier work-life balance, more affordable housing, a vibrant community, or perhaps just to be closer to nature, thousands of Australians are leaving our major cities for country and coastal towns. ABS data confirms a city exodus during COVID, with the biggest internal migration shift on record during the September quarter last year. Domain Lifestyle Editor Ash Austin joins us to discuss why people are moving to the regions. Ash, welcome back to Property Unpacked. Hi, Alice. Thanks so much. It's good to be here. Now, Ash, there have been countless stories about a mass exodus of people packing up and leaving cities to move bush. But are there actually that many or is this becoming a bit of an urban myth? So there actually are. So the ABS ran some data late last year and they found that the nation's capital cities had a net loss of 11,200 people during July, August and September last year. And that was actually the largest quarterly net loss since records began in 2001. So it is true that there are a lot of stories in the media, but people are really making these scene tree changes en masse. Mm. And Ash, are people going on what we consider a permanent basis? I can sort of, if we're trying to sort of be cynical around the data, one could say, well, they're just going there to escape the, the, the southern state's winter and that. But do we feel that this is a more permanent shift? Yeah, so people are uh, moving to permanent rentals and they're also buying homes as well. So, you know, once COVID happened and people could really see the possibilities of a move considering that they never thought that was possible because they had to work in offices in the city. And then as soon as COVID happened, they thought this could be a permanent move. Mm. And what are the main reasons people are, are flirting with this idea? Like what is actually the main reason for people doing this? So there are many reasons, but when the majority of people started working from home, they realised they could work from anywhere. So that lack of commute coupled with housing affordability and a lifestyle change became a real possibility for a lot of people who previously wouldn't have considered it. And I think people are also looking for connection. A lot of what people who have made these sea or tree changes have said that, that it's nice to be close to nature, to have this really tight-knit community and to have this really desirable work-life balance that previously they may not have had. Mm. And I wonder if during COVID they had a bit more space to contemplate how important those things were to them. I think for a lot of people it seems like this idea was sort of there. There was a kernel of an idea about, yes, I would like more balance in my life or whatever, but they didn't sort of know the way to achieve that, I suppose. And I wonder if during the pandemic and the lockdowns, I had more space to see that there was an option. Absolutely. I don't, we just ran a story today on, on Domain about a, a great couple, Reese and Brett, and they were meant to move back to New Zealand with their three sons. And when COVID happened, they decided to move regionally and they moved to the Southern Highlands of New South Wales. And the one thing they mentioned was it's so nice to be able to give their sons a bit of that country upbringing where they've you know, been raised in the inner city their whole life and to really get them closer to nature and, and get them involved in a new community and some different activities that they may not have been exposed to. 
Mm. Now, of course, it's not all farmers' markets and setting up an office in an olive grove under the shade of a lovely tree, but what are some of the downsides people are finding when they make this regional sea or tree change, Ash? Yeah, so of course there is a good side, but there is a bad side to this movement. Arguably the biggest downside, which we have heard much about, is the housing supply. So locals who have spent their entire lives in these areas, uh, you know, we're seeing them being pushed out as prices go up. Byron Bay and surrounding suburbs are a perfect example, both, you know, when it comes to rentals and homes for sale. And there's also a real lack of services in some of these areas. So childcare, if you can't have the kids at home while you're working, is often quite limited. There's also access to some specialised medical services as well as limited public transport and fewer employment opportunities, you know, if you are looking for a career change. Mm. So how do people weigh it all up and then think, is this for me? You know, like obviously a 10-question quiz is not going to sort of resolve the issue for you, but what sort of advice do you give people who are thinking about this, particularly based on the on the people that you've spoken with recently, Ash, for how to work out if this is for them or not? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, it's really important to have a chat with your employer to see if it's going to be an ongoing situation, you being able to work from home permanently. Because like we're seeing, a lot of companies are now asking their employees to return to the office for at least a couple of days, which is tricky for those who have made the move regionally. And of course, the second major thing is to be checking what the affordability is like in that area of housing. So, you know, how many rentals are there and and what is the market doing there and, and make sure that you're looking at the market both pre and during COVID to get a real idea of the landscape. I think also ensuring that they have their education options for people is also really important. You know, we know that regionally there often isn't a local school one block away from the house, obviously. Uh, and I think that's a really important part for people, particularly with children, to, to think about in the long term. Where will their children go to school at a primary level? And then also obviously a secondary level because it's something we just take for granted being in the cities that education is all around us. But regionally it's a very different landscape. Absolutely. And I mean, if you are um, going to make a move and you do want it to be permanent, it's worth looking five, 10 years down the track because Mm. we're not sure yet if we're going to see the reverse where a lot of people come back to the cities because at the moment we're in the thick of it. So it is worth thinking, what am I going to be doing in, you know, five, 10 years? Some people that we've spoken to who can afford it have rented out their city home and they are renting Mm. regionally in a sort of try before you buy type context before they realise if they are going to settle down. So, you know, putting their kids in school uh, in a regional area and just seeing if it fits with the family's lifestyle. Mm, Yeah, I like that idea. That sort of baby steps, isn't it, without doing anything as severe as selling your house and then buying a new one without without experimenting first. Ash, is there a certain um, age group that are most attracted to this idea? Like, is it sort of, is it, is it millennials? Is it, is it downsizers? Are you seeing a trend um, develop there and who is seduced by this? Yes. So the ABS data does say that it is a vast majority of millennials making this move, but also young families who are not, you know, pulling their kids out of established schools. So they're looking for somewhere to start actually raising that family and, and to have a long-term move. And Ash, what about downsizers or are they, you know, or sort of retirees, I suppose, or do you think that that sort of group of people have potentially already done that move almost pre-COVID? They were sort of ahead of their time in that respect, do you think? 
Absolutely, Alice. I mean, we have seen some people uh, downsize, but also upsize. So people who were, uh, you know, living in quite a nice apartment in a city move regionally to sort of taper off into that retirement on, a, you know, a, a bit of an acreage block mm. as opposed to retiring in a high-density area in the city. Mm. So, Ash, just finally, with this idea of people sort of, you know, exploring different possibilities of how they can live, are you also seeing people do a mini version of that and sort of moving further out away from the city that they're living in but not so far that they're kind of moving regionally? Like is there a middle ground or are you seeing people more interested in the absolute extreme of going potentially hundreds of kilometres away from where they were living? It's interesting because a lot of people are doing a sort of hour-to-hour move outside of the city. We're not seeing too many Mm. people who are moving from Sydney to Broken Hill, say, or, you know, Melbourne to Mount Isa. It is more people moving to regions close by their city within a driving distance. So it's still, I guess, it, it is making it a little bit easier when you do need to access services and employment in the city. It just makes for a longer commute. Mm. It's certainly intriguing to watch and um, giving us all something to think about on those sort of days in the office. Like today, it's a rainy day here and I'm just thinking, gosh, wouldn't I like to be somewhere else right about now? So it's it's food for thought, Ash, and um, it's a really interesting topic. Absolutely, Alice. Thanks so much for talking with us, Ash Austin. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Belong, winner of Money Magazine's Best Value NBN plan for the second year running. You've been listening to Property Unpacked, a podcast by Domain. If you like what you've heard, hit subscribe and look out for future episodes. Our executive producer is Adrian Lowe with production by Hayley Cools and editing and mixing by Dan McHugh. For more property news, advice and market insights, head to domain.com.au or download the Domain app. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Thank you.